God, you saved a wretch like me. God, you didn't have to do that. You didn't need to come. You you did not owe us anything, but you came and you died. Lord, we are forever grateful. There is nothing we could ever do that could pay you back for that. Lord Jesus, we just give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for God, you are good. And it is your grace that gives us peace. Lord Jesus, I pray now as Harry comes, I pray that we would remember who you are. God, I pray that we would learn more about who you are. God, that you would speak through him, that you would you would be the one speaking to us, God. I pray that, that you would be given all the glory and all the honor for you are so, so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. So, my name is Harry. Um, I have the privilege of working on staff here as the high school director, uh, overseeing the high school uh, ministries, as well as our young adult ministries. Um, And I'm super excited about the opportunity I have to continue our Bad Kids in the Bible series. Pastor James kicked this off uh, a few weeks ago on Memorial Day, and we will have part three on Labor Day. Um, and, and so I, I'm just super excited. This series has been a ton of fun um, to prep for. But before we get into that, I thought it might be uh, wise to let you guys get to know me a little bit. You've never seen me up here before. Um, you may not actually know anything about me. And, and so I figured I'd just kind of tell you a little bit about myself because it's going to help kind of intro our, our topic today. And so um, I'm a nerd. And that's okay. It's no longer a derogatory term. Um, I actually, that's something that I'm proud of. Um, I love playing video games. Um, I read a lot of books, uh, fantasy, sci-fi. I watch a lot of movies. Lord of the Rings is the greatest movie ever made, and we can talk about that afterwards. But um, I, I love a lot of the things that are kind of in nerd culture. But one of the things that I especially love is comic books. Um, I I love reading uh, comic books. I've been reading comic books since I was a kid. Um, But when it comes to comic books, my favorite has to be Transformers. Uh, It's just, I love the the, the worlds that are created, uh, the story behind it. Um, But there's something interesting in Transformers that uh, isn't actually in a lot of other comic books. Um, And and it's normally, when we're talking about comic books, we're talking about superheroes, and again, I imagine most people in this room have probably caught up on most of the Marvel movies or shows. I'm not up to date on Loki, so no spoilers. Um, But but either way, when it comes to superheroes, the question that's always asked is, who's your favorite superhero? And and we all assume, and and the answer is Iron Man, that's the correct answer, but again, that's fine. Either way, we, we, we ask who our favorite hero is, right? That's the focus, is the good guys, the, the, the heroes. Which one is our favorite? Who has the best powers, right? That's not really the case in Transformers. In Transformers, the question that's frequently asked is what side do you root for, right? They're talking about the Autobots, which are the good guys, uh, the guys defending Earth, um, or the Decepticons, the bad guys, the guys who have come to Earth to take all of our natural resources. That's the, the general arc. I know I might be getting a little too in the, the nerd weeds for some of you guys. Hold on, we will get to the Bible, I promise. Um, right? But either way, there's about 50% of the people who are hardcore Transformer fans root for the Decepticons. No, no real idea why. I've never really kind of understood. I've always been on the side of the Autobots. But the, the Decepticons... Uh, like I said, they're, they're trying to take all of our natural resources. And I found two reasons, two primary reasons, why people would root for the Decepticons through my, my nerd conversations. One is they think they're cooler. 
I think that's probably a bad logic to root for somebody trying to destroy the world. But, you know, hey, they do them. And then the second reason that I've uh, found is they feel bad for the Decepticons, right? The primary reason the Decepticons came to Earth is because their home world of Cybertron was destroyed. And so they needed to just go somewhere else. And so they feel bad for them. And again, I think this logic is also flawed, right? Because this is destruction meeting with more destruction. And that's probably not the best way to go about things. In fact, we're actually going to learn in our story today that that's not a good way to go about things. I think the real reason that people root for the Decepticons or the re reason that people root for bad guys in general is because there, there's something that is attractive to, to being able to see the negative outcome without actually having to deal with the repercussions, right? We can see what would happen if, if these negative things were to take place and we don't have to deal with the consequences. There's no cleanup on our end. There's no punishment on our end. And that's actually, I think, a beneficial way for us to view things at times. And that's what we're actually going to do in our today's story. We are going to be talking or looking at our narrative through the eyes of the antagonist. There's no good guy in our story today. There's no guy who's going to redeem anything. He is a bad kid of the Bible through and through till the end. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to see from the negative perspective. And it's going to allow us to learn uh, a couple of different things because he's already made the mistakes for us. So we're going to jump in here. But our narrative can't start with our antagonist. Our narrative actually has to start with his dad. We need to get a little backstory here. You all know his dad. It's King Solomon. It's the greatest king of Israel. Well, may maybe not the greatest king. He made some mistakes, but, but he was probably the most successful. That would probably depend on how you define successful. Okay, you know, the Bible at least calls him exceedingly great. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1 says, Solomon, the son of David, established himself in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. See, Solomon was a great king, despite his flaws that we'll get to. He was a fantastic king. And right out the gate, he starts off with an incredibly strategic move. God comes to him and says, hey, ask for what you will, and you'll receive it. And I would have been like, cool, great, where's my Christmas list? Like, let's go through here, check by check. No, what Solomon does, he asks for wisdom, which is an incredibly smart move, one that I probably would not have thought of. But he asks for wisdom because he knew that was ultimately going to be what set his kingdom up for success. And we can start reading through the uh, book of Second Chronicles and see all of the success that is happening. He starts amassing money. Chapter uh, 1, verse 14 says, Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. Horsemen, sorry. Now, we're going to take a pause here for just one second. It's family worship weekend, so I want to address the kids. I know, guys, school is out, and we don't want to have to do math anymore, but we're going to do some math. Okay? I want you to understand how, how horses and chariots actually equates to money. Because when I first read that, I'm like, cool, horses smell bad. Like, I don't, I don't really, right? But no, this actually equates to money. So I, I use some modern day uh, uh, pricing here. I Googled it. If you look up uh, the price of a horse, like if I were to leave church here today and buy a horse, it would cost me somewhere between 10 and 20 grand. Okay? So that, that's, that's a decent amount for one horse. Okay? Solomon had two horses per chariot and 12,000 12, horsemen. He would need a horse per horseman for them to actually ride, meaning he's got somewhere around 14,800 horses currently. Let's just be conservative and say he got a really good deal, so he got them all for 10 grand. That's $148 million, right? 
and that's just for the horses. That doesn't include buying the chariots. That doesn't include paying the men to ride the chariots and the horses. That doesn't include feeding the horses, right? All this to say, Solomon's got money, right? He is, he is amassed a fortune, and this is just his horses. This doesn't include anything else. He takes more money, and he starts to build the temple, and this is a big deal. He makes this temple massive, and it's ornately furnished. He spares no expense, and it was all to honor God, to serve God. Solomon has some money. If you read the first nine chapters of the book of Second Chronicles, they're all about Solomon and the incredible things he's, he did and the amount of, of wealth that he made. But Solomon makes a really big mistake. Solomon, uh, uh, if we read in um, 1 Kings chapter 11, Solomon, uh, we find out that he's got a problem with the ladies. He, he's got a problem. He wants to, to, to spend money on them. He wants to uh, um, have as many as he can. And, and, and so he has 700 wives. And those wives, uh, they, they start to change the way he's thinking. They, they, they start to get him to worship other people. They start to get him to, to, to worship false idols. And ultimately, Solomon walks away from God. You guys think feeding all of those horses was expensive? Try taking 700 women to the mall. Solomon's running short on money. He, 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 his mistake has cost him dearly. And his fortune, his fame is slipping away. And so he decides he's going to figure out how to get this. So he starts taxing his, his, his subjects. He starts taxing uh, incredibly, uh, uh, incredible amounts. He starts laying extra work on his servants, right? And, and they're not liking this. This is not ending well, but this is all in Solomon's pursuit to pay for his exploits. And this is where our antagonist comes in. Second Chronicles uh, um, chapter 9, verses 30 to 31. Solomon reigned Jerusalem over uh, all of Israel for 40 years. And Solomon slept with his father and was buried in the city of David with his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. And Rehoboam is the guy we're going to be focusing on for the duration of our, 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 our message this morning. You see, uh, Solomon's reign did not end well. And Rehoboam comes in, and they decide, you know what, this is our opportunity. We're going to go to Rehoboam, and we're going to ask him to lighten the taxes that Solomon has laid on us. We're going to ask him to, to make things a little easier. And so they send this guy named Jeroboam to talk to Rehoboam. Now, I'm going to pause here for just one second. Jeroboam and Rehoboam are very similar. And I will mess them up, and it will confuse you. So from here on out, I'm going to refer to them as Ray and Jerry. Okay? Ray, Rehoboam is Ray, Jeroboam is Jerry. And that's just to help me out so I don't confuse you guys. So they send Jerry to go and ask Ray to lighten the load. And Jerry even says, you know what, if you do this, we will be your servants forever. We will be loyal to the house of Ray. Uh, of Ray. And Ray is like, that sounds cool, but I've been king for like three minutes, and I don't know what to do. So you know what? Give me three days. Come back in a couple days. We'll, we'll talk about this. We'll figure out what to do. And this is where our story is going to pick up. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 10. And if you're able, please stand in honor of God's uh, word. Second Chronicles chapter 10, starting in verse 6. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men uh, who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer these, this people? And they said to him, If you will be good uh, to these people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. 
But he abandoned the counsel and the old men and gave, er, the old men gave and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke your fathers put on us? The young man who had grown up with him said, uh, Thus you speak to the people who said to you, Your father made your, your yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thigh. And now, whereas my father laid a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. You may have a seat. I think, I think I need to, to, to back up. I might have been a little hard on Ray up to this point in saying that he is absolutely no good because he did do one good thing. Uh, and this is actually going to be our first lesson. You guys might not have caught it, but there was something that he did that I would say is considered wise. Ray thought it important to seek counsel. He didn't know what to do when Jeroboam first came to him. He didn't know how to, how to handle that situation, so he sought counsel. And this is the first point that I want us to learn from Ray's story, uh, is, is the importance of seeking counsel. There, there was a gap in his knowledge, and they didn't know how to fill it, so he sought counsel. You see, frequently in our lives, I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's not something we tend to do. Right? We see a problem for us, we see a situation or decision we have to make, and we're just going to go for it. In fact, uh, this past week we were on um, our mission trip to Pauley's Island, South Carolina with 13 different students. Uh, it was a fantastic week, but a phrase that came out frequently was ready, fire, aim. Right? It's a little backwards, that's, but that's frequently how we live our lives. We, we, just, we see the problem, we attack it, and then we think about it. And like, oh well, maybe we should have done this differently, or maybe we could have done this. We don't even take time to think about it, let alone seek counsel. But I think it's incredibly important for us to seek counsel. There are some decisions in our lives that are huge, right? Maybe where we're going to go for lunch after service, that one's probably not that big a deal. But, but there are some decisions that we have to make, and maybe you've made some of these decisions. Maybe you haven't yet been faced with them, but you will, right? Where are we going to go to work? Where are we going to go to college? Where are we going to live? What house are we going to buy? Who are we going to marry? What, are we going to have kids? How many kids are we going to have? These are all decisions that, that, that they carry weight. They're things that we have to decide in our lives, but how do we actually decide, right? There are some big decisions that have to be made. Proverbs verse one, uh, or chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instructions, right? We need to seek counsel. On things. We need to, to understand things. We need to fill in the knowledge gaps. Proverbs 19.20 uh, says, listen to advice and accept instructions that you may gain wisdom in the future. The book of Proverbs is riddled with verses that talk about seeking counsel and understanding wisdom. And, and that's what we need to do. When my first son was born, I, I mildly had a panic attack. I did not think that it was wise for anyone to entrust another human's life into my care. Um, that did not seem like a good idea. I started reading every single parenting book I could get my hands on. Probably went through about 50 of them. Some of them were really good, some of them not so good. Right? I ever, like three months straight, every conversation I had was about parenting, even if the person didn't want to talk to me about it. It didn't matter. I was going to work it into the conversation somehow because I realized there was a gap in my knowledge and somebody else might be able to fill that, right? There, there was a time I thought ramen noodles and Mountain Dew was a balanced meal, right? That's, that's not how—Mountain Dew's green. It's kind of like a vegetable, right? 
no, I eat broccoli now, it's fine. Uh, either way, it was not a good idea uh, for me to go into this to make these decisions without having that knowledge. So I sought counsel. Because seeking counsel is wise. Proverbs 15:22 says, "Wise counsel, or without wise counsel, plans fail, but many advise, or but with many advisors, they succeed." You see, it, it, it's through that counsel that we can have uh, uh, knowledge that we fill in those gaps in our knowledge. Now, I told you guys at the beginning I work with students. I love working with students, um, and it's family worship weekend, so we're going to play a game. We're going to stop right in the middle of the service, and we're going to play a game, and this is going to help introduce my next point. So I need three volunteers. Okay, one. Two. Great. One more. Are, are you raising your hand, or are you trying to volunteer someone? Oh. You sure? No, I need you up here. Yeah, you're coming up here. Thank you. Yep. Okay, Alex, come here. You're going to help me out too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's all good. Okay. We're going to play a little game. Okay, you like games? Okay. Let's see. Great. Okay. We're going to blindfold Robin here. Thank you. Okay. Um, so just real fast, I'm going to be set up here. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about, we're talking about counsel. Um, you two are going to be my counselors, okay? Um, Robin needs some help. So, oh, right there. Okay, uh, Robin, take three steps backwards for me. Just, yep, fantastic. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Robin, your goal is to get to that cone. Obviously, you can't see anything. Um, so you're going to have to trust our counselors here. Now, I'm not going to tell you which one, but one of them's not going to be giving you the best advice. Oh, great. Right? So you're going to have to figure out which one you should listen to. Now, there's one other slight rule. That's what we're getting to, okay? Right? So here, there are times in the Bible where it's very clear God is talking, and it's very clear we should listen when God is talking, right? We can, we can all agree on that. So in this game, if you hear me talking, that means you need to stop and listen because you're probably too close to the edge of the stage, okay? So, um, okay. So here we are. I'm going to... Great. Okay. We're going to get my counselors some mics so that you guys can hear. Uh, Chris, I got green and purple. Okay. So you guys are going to be giving her some advice. Make sure she doesn't trip on any of the, the obstacles I laid out here. Um, so let's begin. Good luck, Robin. Thanks. Turn around. It's behind you. Turn around. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Back Straight ahead. You got to give her some advice. Get away. <laughs> no, no, you were right the first time. How about left? Go left. Go, Go left. <laughs> now straight ahead. Get away. Get away. Keep going straight ahead. You're doing great. Left. Remember, one of, these, oh, yeah. one of these people are giving you bad advice. Do a, do a, turn 180 degrees. Go directly the other way. Straight ahead. Keep going. A little faster. <laughs> go, for, go the other way. Okay, stop. You get too close to the edge. 
that cone over there. We're, we're, we're real far away. Just keep going straight ahead. <laughs> Go left. And straight uh, ahead. <laughs> no. Okay. okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna direct you back to the starting spot here, and then they're gonna restart. Okay. Ready? Let's see if we can go. Okay. Go we're gonna restart here. I've been dominating. Go forward. <laughs> go forward. Okay. Okay. Uh, go left. One of you. One of you is trying to get into that cone. Like we're we're kind of far away from the cone. Okay. Go the other way. <laughs> the other way. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna watch out for the instruments. We're getting close. Okay, we're we're gonna actually go ahead and stop here. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you, counselors. Robin, I'm gonna need your help for one more second. You two can go ahead and have a seat for me. I, yeah, I was I was making sure you didn't knock over the base. That would have been okay. Uh, Robin, I just have a couple quick questions for you. So if you could come here for me, just that'd be great. Um, so. Did you figure out which one of them was giving you good advice? No, because I, I thought <laughs> I thought it was one, and then I'm like, wait, they just ran me into the table, so it can't be them. And then, no, I flip-flopped it, because then no. I almost went off the stage with the other one. So. True, right? So, so would it have been, once you figured out, if you knew who was giving you the advice, do you think you would have been able to make it to the obstacle course? Yeah, because I would have focused on just that person. Okay. Great, thank you. But it didn't work. So yeah, thank you. You have a seat. Awesome. They actually very unintentionally helped set up my next point very well. So um, here we go. So the, the third thing that we're going to learn um, from, or sorry, the second thing that we're going to learn from uh, Rehoboam's life is how do we actually determine wise counsel? How, how do we actually figure out what counsel we should listen to. You see, in his story, we had what I would think was an easy, obvious choice, um, but apparently for Ray, it wasn't. And, and so how do we actually determine those? And so we're going to take a deep look at, at Ray's choices and try to decipher the best way for us to figure out in our lives how we should actually uh, make those decisions. How do we determine good counsel from bad counsel? So reading uh, in verse 7, it says, this is the counsel from uh, his wise men. Now, before we get there, um, I just want to put this into perspective, right? These are the wise men that the wisest man thought were good enough to listen to, right? So just, just keep that in your mind as we read through uh, Ray's response. Verse 7, it says, And then they said to him, If you be good to his people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. I think as a king, that sounds like pretty good advice. Right? You want your servants to be loyal. That makes sense to me. Right? But Ray wants a second opinion. He wants to get some more counsel, so he goes down to his buddies. This is verse 10 to 11. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to the people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you uh, lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thigh, and now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I add to your yoke. Uh, my father disciplined you with whips, but I disciplined you with scorpions. That might be the wor worst advice I've ever heard. Right? That this doesn't sound, it wasn't in any of the parenting books I read. None of them recommended scorpions. Um, I, I would think, and this is just probably guessing, 
That would be a quick way to get a phone call from CPS. Um, so maybe we should avoid the scorpions, but either way, Ray is now faced with a choice. Does he go with his, his father's wise men and, and, and gain the, the favor of his servants, or does he go with the scorpions? And so we're going to look at Ray's response, verses 12 to 14. So Jeroboam and, the, uh, and all the people came to Rehoboam. On the third day, as the king said, come to me again on the third day. And the king answered them harshly. And forsaking the counsel of the old men, King Rehoboam spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to, you, add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. He went with the scorpions. And so the second point that we need to learn from Ray's life is always choose the scorpions. Oh, that's not right. We shouldn't do that. That's bad advice. But how do we determine what is bad advice versus what is good advice? I think the obvious answer for, for the believer is to go to God's word, right? That, that should be the first and foremost, the starting point of all of our advice, Second uh, Timothy 3, verses 16 says, For all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. James 3, 17 says, But uh, the wisdom is from above, or from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, impartial, and sincere. You see, uh, this is what we should be looking for inside of our advice. When we seek counsel, we need to understand that it should be first and foremost breathed into to scripture. If it's not found in scripture, it's probably not good advice. Now, you guys might be like, wait a minute. There's nothing in the Bible about where to buy a house. There's nothing about, in the Bible about which job you should have. There's nothing in the Bible uh, about any of those major life decisions that we are faced, right? And, and so what do we do? If the answer's not in there, if it doesn't clearly say, Harry, you should go to Bible college, well, then how do I know what to decide? right? And there, there's an answer to this, and it's found in the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. Sounds great. We just need to ask God. He's going to give it to us. I don't know about you, but that hasn't always been my experience when I ask for a decision, right? There are times in my life where I'll be like, I need to decide A or B. God, make this very obvious. Give me a very clear choice, and for some reason, it doesn't seem that I'm getting a clear choice. And, and I think the problem with that is how we're asking for wisdom. I, I don't think frequently for most of us, asking for that clear choice, that's not asking for wisdom. That's for God to make your decisions for you, right? When, when we need to ask for wisdom, what that really should look like is aligning our will with God's will. What, what would be profitable for his kingdom? Allow that to be the decision that I would want to make. Right? It's, and when we have aligned our will with God's will, those clear choices, those obvious answers become very abundantly clear and talked about in Scripture. When, when, we, when we see that, that what we want, what we desire is the same as what God wants and what God's desire, it becomes very easy to decide which counsel to follow. And there's one more thing I want to say before we move on to our third point in regards to determining wise counsel. And there's part of this that might be a little opinion-based, so you guys can kind of take this uh, free what, it will, uh, what you will. But I think it, 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 it holds up, at least experientially in my life, it is hold up or held up. When you're looking at your counsel, you, you've checked it against the scriptures. You've sought multiple different uh, uh, sources. You, you see that both options uh, from pers outside perspective would align with what God would have for you. 
you need to check the motivations behind that advice. What, what is actually, why would you want to lean one way or another? Is it because it would ultimately benefit you, right? Or maybe the advice you're receiving from that coworker would actually, in the end, benefit them. What motivations is behind that advice? And we're going to look at that here in our third point because I think there's a very clear motivation uh, behind the, both pieces of advice that Ray receives. And so when we look at our motivations, we need to see, uh, one, we need to ask ourselves this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, says, Beloved, do not uh, believe every spirit, but test spe- uh, the spirit to see whether they are from God. Right? So is that advice from a godly Christian person helping you further your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is that advice from the world trying to further their career? Trying to, to, to get one up on somebody else, right? What is the motivation behind that advice? And so our third thing that we're going to move on um, from here is, is trying to actually decide to follow that wise counsel. Because it's not just enough for us to know which option is clear. Right? I think at some level, Ray probably knew that the scorpions were not the best option. Right? But that's still the one he chose. So why? Why would we choose to follow unwise counsel once we've already done our homework? We've determined what the wise counsel is. Why do we still oftentimes follow that unwise counsel? And this is the third thing we're going to learn. And before we get too far, I think it would be beneficial for us to look at the rest of the story um, in Ray's life. And for sake of time, I'm just going to kind of give us a, a recap of it. I'm not going to read it um, because there's a total of six chapters dedicated to Rehoboam, and so, you know, we'd be here a minute. Um, but basically what happens is Jerry comes to Ray and says, hey, we want you to lighten this yoke. Jerry go, or Ray goes, nope, scorpions, here you go, right? And so Jerry, rightfully so, gets upset and takes his friends and leaves. And by friends, I mean the 10 most northern tribes of Israel. They all secede from the kingdom of Israel. The bottom two become the kingdom of Judah, and they are led by Rehoboam. Jerry um, actually ends up leading the kingdom of Israel. Now, before you start to think, well, maybe Jerry was a better king. Maybe we just need to get rid of Ray, and then Jerry could have stepped in. Jerry was not. He was actually just as bad. The Bible literally says he was just as bad as Ray. And so uh, we have two bad kings leading two separate kingdoms, which leads to an incredible amount of civil war. I mean, ultimately weakens the kingdom of Israel and allows uh, um, people like uh, other powers like Egypt to come in and conquer them at various times. And all of this is because Ray made one bad decision. He made the wrong choice, which then led him to to additional choices. But this is the one that kicks off the chain of events that, that led to a division inside the kingdom of Israel. Ray made the bad decision. And it would be really cool if we could see in the future and understand that, hey, this decision might be bad. Ray couldn't do it. We can't do it. Be cool. It's not the way it works. So in order for us to be able to make sure we're following that right counsel, to be able to make sure we have to decide we, we need to, to take a look at, at why we would actually follow those bad counsels. And we're going to look at Ray's story and figure out why he followed those bad counsels, because I think a lot of times for us, they're the same reasons we follow bad counsel. Now, just a quick side note, a little interjection. I've been talking about Ray as if he were a kid, and this is probably due to his childish behaviors, right? But he did not take the throne when he was a teenager. Ray's probably in his 30s, Right? 
This, this is not just a, a, a lesson for our kids because it's family worship weekend. This is not just, uh, this is something that we can all glean from. Ray had to deal with these decisions when he's 30. As adults, we have to deal with these decisions all the time, right? You may have already decided your career. You may have already went to college, right? Those decisions are done, but that doesn't mean your decision-making is done. Counsel is still important. Now, the two reasons that, that I think Ray ultimately chose to go the way he did and they're very clear, and they are, are, are things that we struggle with. The first one, those taxes that everyone was paying went straight to line Ray's pocket. So, you know, if he had less taxes, he has less money. First Timothy verses six, uh, or chapter 6, verse 10 reminds us that for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You see, this is what Solomon did. This is what Ray is doing. His motivation behind choosing to go with his, his friend's plan was because he thought that was going to keep the most money in his pocket. Again, he didn't have the ability to see into the future and was wrong, but, but that's what he thought. And that is frequently something that I think we do, right? Our decisions are often selfishly motivated, right? We, we think this is the better option because this is what's going to benefit me the most, Right? We, we go with the counsel that, that is going to potentially give us the most immediate payout, the most immediate gratification, but that's not always the case. But it is definitely something that we follow. Greed is usually a cause for us to follow unwise counsel. And the second thing that Ray uh, does, the second reason he follows this unwise counsel is I think it's because it was from his friends. Right? We, we, if we read through the passage, when we were reading verses 6 to 11, right in the middle it says that Ray gave up on the counsel of the old men before he even heard the counsel of his friends. It wasn't like he got both options and then decided to weigh them. He got option one. It's like, hey, that's not really good. I'm going to go talk to my buddies first. Then he got their advice. That's the advice he went with. And I think this is something, again, we frequently do. I'm going to talk to the kids here just for a second because parents, you guys don't understand. I work in student ministry. I know this. Right? So, kids, your parents don't give good advice. Your friends give the best advice. Right? But frequently, that's how we like to do things. When we were hanging out with our friends. I remember growing up, there was times where we would hang out with my friends, and my parents would be like, hey, make sure you don't do fill in the blank. And my friends were like, this would be really fun. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. No, like, but, but that's frequently how we, even as adults, like to live our lives. We want to show off. We want to be able to be part of the gang. We want to be uh, the same as our friends. And so frequently, we, we forget wise counsel because we want to be cool or we want to hang out or we want to do whatever it is or look whatever it may be to our friends. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. You see, the, the people we keep, the people in our lives, the people we hang out with on a daily basis are ultimately the people who are going to shape the decisions we make when it comes time to make those decisions. I, I love getting to, to brag on our students. Um, we have some awesome students down inside of the well. Um, and this past week on the mission trip, and I know I've already talked about the mission trip once, but it was a, it was a really good week. Um, on Friday nights, we always do a, a recap. Um, we ask the students to give us uh, their biggest takeaway for the week? Uh, what is the one thing that God has really taught you throughout this trip? And I had several students give the same response 
uh, this past week. And their response was something to the effect of the, the people on that trip, the people that were there with them for the last week, had become closer and more true friends than all of their friends back in Harrisburg. Because the friends back in Harrisburg did not have their best interest. They did not challenge them to grow more in God's, uh, in their relationship with God. They did not challenge them to, 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 to look at their faith and genuinely believe it, right? But the people on the trip, that's what they were doing. And those were their true friends. You see, we see this, this picture that, that um, uh, sorry, we saw this picture there that like they, they genuinely had this relationship. They were growing more that week than they did a year before here. One of my favorite passages in, in the entire Bible is Psalms 1, uh, verses 1 through 6. It says, Blessed is the man who, uh, walks, uh, in the counsel, or who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor the seat of scoffers, but is delighted in the law of the Lord, and on his law meditates day and night. Like he is a tree planted by the stream of water that yields his fruit in the seasons, and his leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like shafts in the wind uh, that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinner uh, in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You see, the people we keep, the, the counsel that we actually seek, is ultimately going to shape the decisions we make. And this passage is fantastic. I love this, uh, the imagery that it gives, right? It, it's like planting a tree by a stream, and, and that, that's going to be the healthiest tree. And, and when we plant ourselves inside of other believers, when we are, are, are fellowshipping with other believers regularly, it's like we're planting our tree next to the stream. And when those decisions come, when we're faced with the counsel that we have to decide between, they're ultimately going to be what shape our decisions, we need to seek godly advice from godly people, and we need to surround ourselves with those people regularly. But there's another problem. The fact of the matter is, and the ultimate reason why Ray made his decision, and the same reason that we ultimately make our decision, is we are our broken, sinful people. We are. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 says, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one is good, not even one. You see, we are broken, sinful people. And when it's left up to us, we're going to choose the scorpions every single time. Right? But when we have a relationship with God, when we, we have accepted what he has done, what his son has done on the cross, dying for our sins, we can see, uh, or we can uh, walk in relationship with him, which is going to allow us to keep good counsel and make wise decisions. And if you've made that decision, if you've accepted Jesus Christ and, and are committed to following him, that's fantastic because that's the most important decision that you can make in your entire life. And once you've made that decision, there is a charge for you. We're, we're coming here to an end, and I, I just want to uh, kind of give a charge to those who have accepted Christ, and then I'll talk to those who have not yet made that decision. But Titus 2 paints a very clear picture uh, of wise uh, counsel, wise men and women pouring into a younger generation who need that wisdom. And so if you've made that decision to follow Christ, that is your call, that you are to, to continue to pour wise counsel into those who would need that wisdom. 
And if you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, I urge you to, to come and I'll be up after the service. Come talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors. Talk to, to a leader or a parent or someone uh, because this is the most important decision that you will be faced with in your life is whether you are going to follow Jesus Christ and accept what he has done for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the wisdom that you've imparted on us. I, I thank you for your timing. It is perfect and pleasing to you. I thank you for granting us the, the wisdom that we need in times that, that ultimately shape our lives for your glory. I pray, I pray that through our relationship with you that we can make uh, wise decisions and uh, decisions that, that glorify you and not the flesh. I pray for those who have a relationship with you, that they would uh, use the wisdom you have given them to teach those who need wisdom. I pray for, for those who have not yet come to a saving relationship with you, that, you would, would come to, that they would come to know you in a personal way. You would work in them, that they could come to have the wisdom that so many have gained. I pray as we go through our week that we look for you through our wisdom and not uh, the world, that we keep you at the forefront of our minds. In your name I pray, amen. Please stand and worship with us.